This is the Shift Podcast. Today on the Shift Daily Podcast, does Bitcoin have anything in common with gambling? The risk and all. Adam O'Brien from Bitcoin Well tells us more about the buy and sell part of cryptocurrency versus investing in Bitcoin and how it's recognized around the world. Handy Andy is inspiring us to get fit with his jump rope playlist. Andy Barrar also looks at revolutionary ways to farm in high-tech vertical farming plus high-tech animal feed. Plus, is Amazon working on smart toilets that can analyze your bathroom breaks? Maybe TMI. Are you okay with license plates and so much more? All on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. It is time for... In case you... Are you okay? <laughs> are you okay with license plates uh i've never had one because i've never had the need for one but i imagine i will probably get a vanity plate what would it say i don't know yet probably something really stupid like oh hi mark as a room reference or um vroom vroom something re- something really stupid or really nerdy uh, because I, it just can't be that's, I need to, it, I need to be extra in that regard. Sneakers. I have to be, oh, or that. Yeah. But not like my I, other car I is a Jordan. Smith. No. Oh, nobody would want to put now, that. No, no, no. I'll wear the get, shirt. You get run I'll off probably the put road. a little Morrissey sticker on the window. Honestly. No. Why, why would you Morrissey? Come on. Seriously. I'm done. I'm done defending <laughs> my position on that bad. That was defending. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, uh, with license plates, I actually, uh, I got mine uh, still hanging on my wall from my yeah, uh, Volkswagen. Well, I, I no, I don't have any vanity plates, but my Volkswagen Jetta, when I gave her away, I kept the plates, kept my BC nice. plates. So they're hanging on the wall of my room. Gave her away? Well, not gave her away. I sold it. Oh. There was a transaction. Yeah, just give it away. Yeah. Okay, good. Give it away. I had one. Vanity plate. My parents bought it for me. It was Keebler, which was like my very first DJ name. Oh, th- that's cool. Yeah, but I don't have it. I don't have a DJ. Actually, typo. I did see a license plate in Alberta. Thank you on the Shift Facebook page that said yeah. typo. Uh, I would probably take that one, but it is claimed. If you were the owner of that license plate, please email me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so we can work out a, a transaction of sorts. Yeah, I'm one of the um. One of the uh, shift headsets, as seen in Edmonton. It was a great post. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, okay. If you have a car, you at least should have a license plate. Some people hate them, especially those who live in areas with road tolls, and some will find creative ways to avoid paying up because it takes a picture of your license plate and sends you a bill. Mm-hmm. There's a guy in Florida. What does it mean to be from Florida? Florida. Straight drill. <laughs> Uh, we haven't had Florida stories yeah. in a long time. This is fun. So All right. Long. He decided to create a screen door for his license plate. Sounds creative, doesn't it? Here's more for the story from CBS, <laughs> CSI Miami. Yes. After clearing the toll by plate cameras, the driver raises the cover from the tag. Wow, incredible. 
We showed the video to the highway patrol, but they were unable to locate the owner because this tag didn't come back to a correct address. But just Saturday, Lieutenant Alex Camacho was driving the turnpike and spotted this maroon Chrysler Pacifica they'd been hunting. Its plate covered just after going under the toll cameras. And I realized that was the offender. Troopers pulled Davis over. They found and confiscated the automatic license plate cover and the remote control used to operate it. Davis refused to talk to the cops. We found him in denial at his Key Largo home. There's no such video and I have no comment. Thank you. Well, we've seen the video. Well, that wasn't taken when I went under the toll. But the video seems to clearly show the license plate covered as Davis's car goes under the toll cameras. That's creative. Yeah. That's very creative. Yeah. Can we also just like address that. how amazing that reporter's voice is? Yeah, I was, yeah. I was thinking that too. Yeah. 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 Very good. Season. I feel like I feel like if we're gonna really live into CBS Miami, I've just because of it, I I truly oh, feel yeah. like I got it. You know, well, here's more from the story from CBS Miami. Dent, dent. Cool. So while that guy tried to hide his plates, the Ohio government was excited to show off their new plates. Congratulations, Ohio. We broadcast deep into Ohio. The Buckeyes. We do. Governor Mike DeWine unveiled the new license plates last week. It proudly features the really. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> oh. thought you i wasn't sure if you're gonna catch that one i'm glad you did all right it proudly features the wright brothers written as if you were writing a note uh their airplane remember the old airplane first one pulling yeah, a I... birthplace of aviation banner behind it what a neat idea huh. salute to the wright brothers right little airplane banner behind it yeah. Kind of cool. The only problem with this little license plate in the picture of that, the airplane was backwards. Here's more from WBNS 10. Here's a look at the plate that was unveiled earlier in the day, the first version. This image actually shows the flyer pushing the banner instead of pulling it. Essentially, it's backwards. Here's how we know. This is an image of the flyer from the Wright Brothers National Memorial Visitor Center in North Carolina. Orville Wright is pictured flying the plane. The smaller part is in the front. Also, we talked to Brian Stromkowski, the assistant director for the Center of Aviation Studies at Ohio State University. Being in aviation, when I when I see that image, I, I notice right away that the airplane is turned around backwards. And I, I think that's just natural um, to assume that in, in modern day because we're so used to seeing the, the small part of the airplane, right, that back wing on the back of the airplane. Yeah, that's totally natural to salute the first plane and not do the mm-hmm. research. Totally natural. All right. Uh, the state has admitted the goof. The new plate will be available to drivers starting on December 29th. Despite the quick fix and turnaround here, a spokesperson with the agency confirmed on 10TV on Friday, 35,000 plates were already printed. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> oh. Adding, it's unknown how much time and money were spent in the process. It, okay. it, I get the mistake. I, it, it, it does look, the plane looks backwards, but at the same time, 
it's a very historical moment that many people you think that it just you might have double checked that before you wouldn't you go to printing. an aviation person a historian yeah. uh, i bet right? the guy who made it wasn't sure i bet whoever printed that looked at the picture of the plane a million times and was like, do i have this right do i have this right i yeah, bet you didn't be even right. look twice but you made it, did the drawing, assumed that's the way it was, didn't ask questions, didn't do any research. 35,000 plates later, and here we are. The whole thing, too, is like that's already on the plate in North Carolina where I think the flight actually took place. So there, I know the Orville, Orville Wright and his brother, I think, were from Dayton, Ohio, but like North Carolina's already doing it. Like they're just kind of copying North Carolina. Well, now I'm looking. North Carolina license plate. Interesting. First in I still flight, think Northwest I Territory. It, it, it does. The plane is yep. the plane's on there, but it's not that clear, and it you can't really. It's not towing a banner, that's for sure. It's uh, it, it's not as clear as the Ohio one is. I would yeah. just say that same idea. They though, should like, probably embrace a cooler license plate, like yeah. the ones in the Northwest Territories that are in the shape of a polar bear. Did those are cool? Did not know that you could best. get a North Carolina license plate in the past that had a Confederate flag on it either. Just found that out. Well, yeah, there's that. Yeah. All right. Are you okay? Are you okay with loud music? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like addicted to it. Depends where I am. Um, I always kind of mm. need music on, like even like at home when I'm like reading i even have music on or when i'm like cleaning the floor and stuff but it's usually pretty low level but like i like loud music at a concert or in a club yeah. um, when i'm driving sometimes <laughs> but then there's also times where i don't like loud music because it, it can be a bit anxiety inducing you know yeah the headphone especially cups when you're on. reading loud music with the headphone cups oh yeah earbuds yeah. the little ones not yeah. so loud i like it on the, the bus sometimes when i have the loud music just cranking away like something crazy like skinny puppy and i notice people's heads turning i'm like oh they can kind of hear it it's <laughs> probably too loud. yeah that takes me back to when i was in high school i was that was like in my dubstep skrillex kind of days and i my teacher literally came up to me and said my brother is deaf in one year because he listened to his music so loud i just don't want you to fall into the same position my brother is in and i looked at her and i said thank you and i proceeded to listen to skrillex as loud Oh, I would have thought you would have said, what? Like a dad oh. joke. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Um, sometimes you just need to tune your tunes up to 11. That's a typo. Sometimes what? you just need to turn your tunes up to oh, 11. Yeah. yeah. But that can be pretty annoying to anyone who doesn't want to hear the music that loud. But this guy got really annoyed. 911 with emergency. Yeah. I accidentally shot my son. What? Well, okay. There must be more <laughs> to this story. Wild guys. The he wild. accidentally shot his son because he wouldn't stop playing the guitar. <laughs> I wonder if he was playing Wonderwall. <laughs> oh, he had to have been. Yeah. That's that is a <laughs> gunfight-inducing song. <laughs> Here is the crazy story. Maybe this was the guy practicing for the first date from in case you yeah. missed or from our conversation yeah. an hour ago. Uh, the guy in the story is 50 years old, and maybe his son is the guy that's in the TikTok, uh, and this is the you know this is the influence. Can we go back in time to the Wonderwall clip just quickly? 
Brennan and click back here. Let's go back and let's hear. This was a first date clip from earlier in the shift. We want to make sure we don't have crossover Uh in our stories here. Okay, I think it was this one here. All right. It's not a joke. I'm, I'm not joking. I know. No, like, it's really good. It's You're really passionate about it. <laughs> okay. Oh, God. Okay. Okay, that is... I understand the temptation, but you can't shoot people. It's a bad habit. No. So this guy accidentally shot his son because he wouldn't stop playing the guitar. Here is this crazy story from Fox 19. Fred Hensley Jr. was playing guitar at his father, Fred Hensley Sr.'s home. According to documents, the father asked his son to stop playing the guitar. And after his son failed to stop, Fred Hensley Sr. is accused of shooting his son. At 5.09, Blue Ash Police received a call that Fred Hensley Sr. shot his son, Fred Hensley Jr., with a 380 pistol. Hensley Sr., whom neighbors describe as hard of hearing, made the 911 call, but at times seemed to have a difficulty understanding the dispatcher. Is he awake? I cannot understand the word you're saying. Is he awake? I cannot understand you. Is he awake? Yes. Hensley and the dispatch officer go back and forth, and the elder Hensley eventually hangs up. Moments after the call, while waiting for the emergency personnel to arrive, Hensley Jr. is accused of attacking his father. Oh, wow. Oh, it gets better. It got better. So the son was also taken to the hospital for the gunshot wound to the ribcage area. He's alive. He does not remember hitting his dad. Hensley Sr. went to the hospital, and he's been charged with felonious. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> That's the word. Seriously. Eh? That's the word. Wow. Yeah. Felonious assault. So just to be clear, the guy who is hard of hearing... <laughs> had enough of assembling of the guitar how terrible are you and how loud was it yeah for the guy who's hard of hearing who can't understand a phone call clearly for you to be frustrated i wonder what song he was playing i do think a wonder wall would be a good contender or or maybe some heavy metal something like really aggressive uh man though there's just so many parts of the story that make it better the more it goes on i'm thankful that nobody died here because then it wouldn't be as fun. But it's at that threshold yeah, of where it's still pretty funny. It is. It's kind of funny. Okay, let's skip down here, Brennan. Uh, let's get into the uh, the out-of-context clip for the last one. Yeah. Brody, you want some brownie before you go to bed? Ah! Come on, let me cut you a brownie while they're still hot. Dad, we're kind of edgy right now. I'd appreciate you not coming in my room screaming and brandishing a butcher knife. Why? Oh, right. The sideshow Bob thing. I'm sorry, boy. Bert, you want to see my new chainsaw and hockey mask? Ah! Oh, sorry. What am I thinking? (laughs) Are you okay? Are you okay with chainsaws? Never used them. They're great in horror movies. Yeah, they... All right. We talked yeah. about uh, worst first dates in history here. I find them quite scary, although they're handy if you have trees to cut down. Mm-hmm. Um, what about your very first work shift? 
A 20-year-old gas station attendant who was working his very first shift said he was scared as he fled for his life when a chainsaw-wielding man entered the Summerline, Summerland, B.C. business. <laughs> wow, that's close. It was scary. It was really scary, a man Bansall told Global News on Monday, three days after the incident. RCMP said a 44-year-old Penticton man was arrested after he walked into the Trout Creek liquor store with a chainsaw. Summerland RCMP responded to a report of a lone male using a chainsaw to damage the inside of a liquor store and gas station located at the 600,000 block of Highway 97. Constable James Grandy said in a statement, all, off- all occupants of the business were able to leave without being harmed while frontline officers contained the scene. Basil said liquor store customer directed him to call the police and there was a man barricaded inside the store. One of the customers came to the store and said, call 911, there's a guy running a chain with a running chainsaw. So I was trying to call 911. I went outside to see if it was actually happening or not. The guy went into the gas station. He was the only one inside the store at the time. He left unharmed. He locked himself in with the ice cream machine to the gate. <laughs> he didn't hurt anybody. He had to run to save ourselves. He let me go and said, get out. The cops told us to leave. Standoff was about 45 minutes to an hour. The suspect eventually was apprehended and faced multiple charges. Police said, I wonder if he just ran out of gas. Ah, nice. You could probably could have used vodka or something. I don't know. 151 rum, maybe. Uh, mm. We're going to have to have to ask Steve Stebbing. That's just down the road from Steve of uh, what his, what's the inside scoop inside Penticton about Summerland liquor store chainsaws. I've been there and I've never in Summerland. It's a beautiful place. I've never run into anybody with a chainsaw, just to be clear. This has got to be rare. In case you were wondering. Yeah, I'd imagine so. Mm. This is the Shift Podcast. I'd like to welcome back friend of the Shift, Adam O'Brien. He's with the Bitcoin Well. Um, and they do, uh, <laughs> well, they basically have a hole in the ground and Bitcoin comes out. It's kind of what it feels like, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's just like a, that. It's, it's just that easy. <laughs> it is that easy. Um, although it is a bit of a, uh, it is a bit of a wishing well in people's minds when we talk about cryptocurrency. That's why Adam participates here on the shift so we can understand uh, some of the misnomers, misunderstandings. I mean, Adam knows my opinion of crypto. I go, huh. I'm not sure about this stuff, but there's a I've, biggest piece that I've learned and where we're going to go today is the difference between Bitcoin and other things that are out there in the world of, of crypto land. Adam, how are you? Doing well? Yeah, man. Doing great. Great to be back. Happy to, uh, I eat, sleep and breathe Bitcoin. So happy to be here. Well, then you've been sleeping well recently as things <laughs> well, have gone pretty good. Things go up, up, up. But, uh, you know, when you have a have a job and a career in a space that's uh, that's growing at, um, you know, at light speed, generally you have to work at light speed as well. So while it's very exciting and sentiment around the office is definitely one of uh, positivity, we're definitely working and firing on all cylinders to make sure that we can keep up with demand. Most companies that people work for, they'll be like the Monday team meeting, right? Okay, here's what we're going to do this week. I imagine your world is, here's the plan for the week. And then later that afternoon, it's like, okay, (laughs) here's the new plan for the week. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's like, all right, that was good for two hours. Now everything's doubled. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Good stuff. Um, Some of the pieces of the puzzle have come out here. And I think that this is some of the good storyline about cryptocurrency in general, Bitcoin in general, is... It's an awful lot like gambling. And because we don't know, we generally don't know, understand what it is. Think, think of 
I want you to imagine your mind a slot machine right now. We really don't understand what's happening if you go to a slot machine. Like there's lines of characters and things and sound effects and bing, bing, bing going on all the time. And you don't really know what's actually happening in your Kino game or whatever it is you're playing on a slot machine. You just know that when all those things line up, the, the machine makes lots of noise. And I get and hopefully that feeling. Money comes out. <laughs> hopefully money comes out. I get that feeling that that's kind of way people look at at all of these things. Do you find that, that Bitcoin is a little, people could be put off because it is perceived to be a gamble? Um, I don't know if Bitcoin is necessarily that way. I think that bit, like, you know, no more than, um, no more than, than buying stocks, buying Tesla stock, buying like anytime you're investing money, um, there is a risk that money doesn't do what you expect it to do. I would say though, that where you're bang on is in what I call the, the altcoin casino, or when you're going to buy things um, like Dogecoin or, or these other kinds of cryptocurrencies uh, without any real fundamental underlying value that, you know, Bitcoin possesses the fundamentals of sound money. It's scarce. It's provably scarce. It's got a known rate of supply. It's got an underlying blockchain that is decentralized uh, for distribution. Like these are the sound, just with basic supply and demand economics, Bitcoin has value. And so I think that when you start looking at, like I said, the altcoin casino, uh, these other types of coins that have no stability or, or no underlying principles at all, that's kind of where you get into the gambling territory. But I would say that like Bitcoin is sound money, uh, but this whole cryptocurrency market um, could definitely be attributed to gambling, especially right now when there's a bunch of FOMO and people just diving in with, without knowing what they're doing. Yeah, that fear of missing out has been on those short trades, all of that stuff that we saw with the video gaming. Uh, was it GameStop down GameStop, south? GameStop, yeah, Remember, totally. Yeah, those stories from a, a couple of months ago where GameStop, everybody bought into it, and then the thing skyrocketed, and then, then people be, you know bought against it. And <laughs> the big rug waiting pull. For the, <laughs> yeah, and they're waiting for the business to collapse. And I always struggle with that because I'm not in – I'll never I, – I can never imagine myself – being comfortable profiting off someone else's failure. Uh, and I think that that, I mean, I get competitively, sure. Like, hey, you sold it, I bought it, whatever. Everyone's doing that dance, right? But for me, I just could never bet against a bunch of people losing their jobs and and all that stuff. That seems like a struggle for me. And maybe that's naive. That's cool if you want to call me naive. But when well, we look at- human of you, I would say. It's, it's like, you know, yeah. there's- there's something to be said about the fiat markets where short selling is possible. And, and basically, like, like I think you and I both know, but like what, what, what short selling is, is taking a loan of shares against the stock, selling it high, hoping it goes down, and then being able to pay that share back for a, um, with the proceeds of, of the loan effectively. And, uh, but, but you're right. You're basically rooting for failure at that point. And, um, you know, people have tried to short sell Bitcoin. There's like, there is nobody on planet Earth right now that has successfully short sold Bitcoin. Bitcoin is at an all time high, <laughs> and yeah. there is nobody on planet Earth that has made money selling or short selling Bitcoin right now. Which is, you know, there are very, very, very few assets in the world that you can say that about. Um, which is just interesting. Hmm. Um, and it is mind blowing, all of it. So that's, I think, why people get confused with it, because it does feel like it's a bit of a gamble. And I can tell you that some of the, you know, some of my friends that are the biggest in those quick sale stocks are also the same guys that love the casino. And that's just, 
an anecdote story about friends, right? But those are the guys that I still see chasing the other, uh, chasing the casino. And I've got another friend who he tried to do the short stuff. And by the time he factored in all of the time he spent, he put a basic wage on it and said, look, I'm going to pay myself 50 bucks an hour. And he put it, paid it, gave himself a basic wage. And then for all of the hours he spent trying to do these little short trades, they, he was losing money if he factored in a <laughs> wage, wage, right? He was making money, <laughs> but when he factored in the three or four hours a day, $200 a day, he needed to make a thousand bucks a week. And he wasn't making a thousand dollars a week guaranteed based on the average of the return and the loss. So how do we flip the script on this and get into uh, a look at Bitcoin, but not from the, I'm a gambler and a risk taker? Well, I think you hit it on the head there. I think you start looking at Bitcoin and not crypto. And there's a fundamental difference between Bitcoin and crypto, and then a bigger fundamental difference between crypto and NFTs. And oftentimes NFTs, crypto, and Bitcoin get kind of lumped into the same um, the same category, and that's just wrong. That's just not how it should be. I'm just going to jump in for, the, for one second with the NFT, the non-fungible token. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like what the stories we've been hearing lately where people have paid a million dollars for a digital picture or something right. like that, just to, to make that connection of those old stories. So like the cleanest analogy for an NFT is uh, Bitcoin is to an NFT what gold is to a Pokemon card or to a hockey card or, or to any kind of like a collectible sneakers. shoe, a sneaker. Thank you, a sneaker. <laughs> I actually have on a pair of rare sneakers right now um, <laughs> being the sneaker head that I am. And, and, and so, you know, you have to understand that difference is like the blockchain powers both Bitcoin or sorry, a blockchain powers both Bitcoin and NFTs, but they're different blockchains and different values different niche markets, um, just totally, totally different. So let's just park that NFTs are different. We're not even touching on NFTs. NFTs are gambling, period. Yep. Like Just like Pokemon cards are gambling and sneakers are gambling, uh, NFTs are gambling. So the difference between crypto and Bitcoin is, again, Bitcoin holds the underlying value of sound money. And when you think about you know, why am I investing? When you're answering that question for yourself, why do I care? Why is my money, which is like money is a function of time, right? You've traded your time for money. Now you're trading this money for something else. So why are you trading your money to this next, to this asset, whether it be Bitcoin or gold or uh, GameStop stock or, or whatever, uh, or the, the slot machine <laughs> in the, in the casino. And so uh, when you look at, at where your money's going, you have to ask yourself, why do I care? And, and what is this for? Uh, Bitcoin is not the best spot to put money you need short term. So if you're like in, you know, you have 500 bucks and you're like, I need 500 bucks next month. So I'm going to put this in Bitcoin. That would be a poor choice. That'd be a, that'd be a high risk uh, choice. Uh, just like, you know, you don't buy a house with money you need next year. If you're like, I got a spare hundred grand lying around, uh, but I need it absolutely next year. Like no one would tell you, oh yeah, you should go buy a house and then sell it. Like by the time you find a house, buy a house and then sell the house, your year is up. You've made no money. You've probably lost money in like legal fees and stuff. So I, you, so Bitcoin is certainly for something that's looking long-term and, and for money that you, that you want to, to protect over the long-term. And as a result, uh, it's a lot less, it's a lot less like gambling than you might expect. Because if you look at the history of Bitcoin, you look at the fundamentals of Bitcoin, you look at the sound money principles that exist in their world, like what do we as humans agree makes sound money, makes sovereign money? Uh, it's basically gold, uh, you know, scarce, fungible, uh, the ability to use it in a, uh, in a transaction, the ability to transfer it, I guess I should say, um, along with a few other things. And Bitcoin possesses all of those aspects of sound money, which is incredibly important. And so when you think about that, 
uh, and you realize the, the money that you're using, the quote unquote money you're using to buy that asset, the asset you're buying acts a lot more like money than uh, what you've paid for it with being fiat, being Canadian dollars or US dollars or whatever. This always raises so many questions, Adam. I don't know which way to go sometimes <laughs> when we talk about these things. I have so many. Um, okay, so that sort of addresses the gambling aspect of it. But if you're going to say it's a long-term investment, how easy is it to get your money out and do you pay taxes on that? Because any traditional investor, RSP, mutual fund, whatever, is going to be very well aware of those kinds of things. So I'm trying to anticipate what that question might be. Yeah. Um, so Bitcoin is a tax-protected asset only in the way that you don't get taxed by holding it. So in our analogy of the house, for example, you're taxed every year to own your house. So Bitcoin is tax protected from that perspective. However, it's capital gains tax um, in the future. RSPs, in my humble opinion, are like the biggest scam meant to hold people down as possible. I don't, I like, like for, for very, very few people, does an RSP make sense in reality? Because you're, you're depending on your income level decreasing over time. And the number one buzzword in like, is like level or uh, uh, what's it called? Multiple sources of income. So like, we're all talking about having these multiple sources of income for the rest of our lives and forever and ever, which means in theory, your income streams and your income should increase, which means you will never, ever, ever take full benefit of the RSP. Uh, it's, it's like, it's, it's designed to, to make humanity and society degress into retirement, which is frankly, not that great for society in, again, in mm. my opinion, well, especially um, in today's world, when we're talking about class separation and, and, um, cost of living and affordability and all yeah, those things. Totally, it man. It's, a, yeah. It's, it's absolutely backwards. And so, excuse me. And so I, I don't know that, um, you know, someone looking at an RSP, like if, if the only benefit to an RSP is that you save tax today, um, I would seriously relook at where your money's going because the, the, the increase in value and the realization of value from Bitcoin over the last decade has like by ex- exponentially outpaced whatever tax savings you might have. And so the, the, uh, the tax implications to selling Bitcoin are that you, uh, you have to pay capital gains on it when you sell and then that's it. Now there are ways around that, of course. Uh, you can borrow against your Bitcoin to, for no tax consequence, uh, which is great because we have sound money. It's an asset. You want to keep it for long term. Uh, if you have 50 grand worth of Bitcoin, uh, you can borrow 20 grand to go do your things and then pay that 20 grand back uh, later on. And there's no taxes for that. Um, so there, there, there are ways to borrow against the asset, which is great. Uh, and at the end of the day, Bitcoin is incredibly liquid. Like we, like we have 60 people uh, working on uh, exactly that Bitcoin liquidity. Uh, you can walk into our office with a <laughs> hundred million dollars worth of Bitcoin, and we will have that. You know, we, we will give you a check. You know, it probably take a day or two, but um, like you can, you can, you can cash out, <laughs> right? Just, um, just to count the zeros, right? Like if you had a hundred million dollars worth of property, uh, that's going to take you potentially months to, to offload. Um, in, you know, I've, I've got a rental property. I've been trying to sell for two years <laughs> that I can't. Yeah, so, um, you know, when you think about assets and, and comparing them to other, you know, safe havens for capital, Bitcoin is, is top of mind and should be top of mind for like a savvy investor. 
So I'm just going to make sure we clean that up. And for the sake of being uh, in integrity, I mean, Adam's not a, a banker certified uh, banker person, but his experience in all of this is worth listening to. And at the same time, I'm going to say that and also say that your banker gets paid on products sold. And when you go into the bank and you say to the bank, hey, I want to, what do I do with this money? They're going to offer you things that meet their minimums of products sold that day. So uh, I want to balance that by saying, you know, Adam's, uh, you know, got his experience Heavily around biased. savings. <laughs> yeah, but he and he's biased in Bitcoin. There's no problem with that. That's, you know what? There you go. We just said it. So there's no sneaky going on. Your banker do, doesn't tell I do, you. Though, go ahead. Well, I have a funny story about about you know your analogy of the banker. Not only do they only sell you products that they get paid on, um, they actually won't sell products that they don't believe in. And and I know this for for a fact because one of our um, like we, we went public a few months ago. And as a result, we have shareholders that were um, it, holding private stock is different than holding public stock. So one of our shareholders goes to their bank. I'm not gonna mention names or banks or anything, keep it like super neutral. And the the bank that he took the the you know public stock to said that he couldn't hold it at that bank because that bank's principle or that bank's policy was that you couldn't hold more than 3% of your portfolio uh, in, in the Bitcoin market. So they, so this bank yeah. that they've been banking with for you know decades uh, wouldn't take the you know the public stock um, and wouldn't hold it for him uh, because it was against their 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 rules. So it's it's, yeah. it's it's quite problematic when you think about it that way. Yeah, and so to the point is that that banker gets paid. They have a minimum number of uh, incentivized products that they sell. So, you know, when they say to you, well, hey, why don't you add on this savings account? It's got zero fees and then you can move this money back and forth and it's going to save you a little bit here and there. Um, they actually, that's their incentive. They, they need to sell more products. Totally. So I just wanted to be clear that yes, there is bias here. I mean, the company's called Bitcoin. Well, I don't think anybody would be surprised by that <laughs> bias. Um, but at the same time, we don't get that clarity at the bank. So I feel like that's cleaned up a little bit about what those look like. Although I will say this, I'm going to put in my my thing on RSPs. To your point, you save up front on a tax savings and you pay on the other end on the taxes and you pay more because it grows in value. That's worth noting. I'll tell you this, if you just want to have a little bit of base of money that's saved up, it's not a terrible way to put some money in the bank and actually have a small pocket of something sitting there. Should it be your only thing? Well, Talk to your uh, talk to your money yeah. person about those things. <laughs> but you're gonna get you're gonna get people um you're gonna get people who's who say buy stocks. You're gonna get people who say buy mutual funds and all those things. So that's what this conversation is just to sort of sh share all of that. If you're if you're uh, my intention with the conversation since we're on integrity is to diminish the feeling of gambling around some of these products as I'm learning about them too. And there are times where I say to Adam, dude, I don't get it. Right. So that's what the point here is. I also at times don't get it. So how do we how do we make this easier? I mean, really for everybody, because here's what people are seeing online as I've taken note of what I've bumped into. If you go to Kijiji, you can buy um, Bitcoin servers for $10,000 and they'll tell you how much they'll mine per month and da, 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 da. And you can just make money by plugging it in, uh, which to me, I look at the cost of electricity skyrocketing these days and go, well, that's probably not going to be a great return. You can hire people to do it. You can just go out and buy it and ride the market. You can do all kinds of things. I mean, where do we even start? Because is it all misinformation or is it um, just so many choices and just not organized yet? Yeah, lots of, I think lots of different information, but I think that, you know, most importantly, um, Bitcoin is designed and was built 
to give the end user as much control as possible. So like farming it out or hiring it out is, is a mistake in my opinion. Um, it's designed to like do it yourself. Uh, in the same way, like don't go buy a new car and then leave it at the dealership, right? <laughs> you know, you like, you want the new car in your garage because it's, it's your new car. And so when you buy Bitcoin, you should want it in your garage, so to speak, uh, in, your, in your wallet. Um, further to that, like mining, unless you're a massive institution throwing tens of millions of dollars to a mining project, um, I see there to be very little value retail mining Bitcoin right now. Uh, the amount of money you invest into computers um, and the electricity cost, um, you're better off to just buy Bitcoin. And, and that kind of brings me to the, the ultimate strategy of buying Bitcoin is my thesis is, is using it like a savings account. Since 2013, I have been buying a set, a set dollar value worth of Bitcoin um, every single two weeks. And I will do that for the rest of my life. And my kids will do that. And uh, we actually, um, we've been using that internally with our team here. We call it the Bitcoin savings plan. And um, it's a simple thesis of just buying Bitcoin regardless of price, because you believe in the underlying value and because you understand that um, the fundamentals of sound money won't go away. And when you have an asset that fundamentally relies on sound money and on society uh, having value in sound money, um, you want to have more of that asset. And the best way to do that is to buy it in small incremental amounts for the rest of your life. People often see $50,000 for a Bitcoin. Well, I don't have $50,000. Can right. you buy uh, as the dollar, right? Right. Uh, the one Bitcoin is $1. Um, can you buy dimes and nickels versions of Bitcoins? Yeah. So Bitcoin is split. Uh, by it can be split into uh, eight decimal places. So um, the like penny equivalent of a dollar uh, to Bitcoin is called a Satoshi. And there are 100 million Satoshis that make up a Bitcoin. So there are a hundred cents that make up a dollar. There are a hundred million Satoshis that make up a Bitcoin. So um, if you like Google the SAT standard right now, um, you would be able to see uh, like some flurry of conversation on the Bitcoin forums talking about making like SAT the standard and Satoshi the standard, um, which is like, you know, flips the script. What are you buying? 0.00002976 Bitcoin or are you buying 2,796 Satoshis. Um, and that kind of changes the perception. It does away with unit bias completely. Unit bias is a horrible thing that our society has adopted. Um, the mm. idea that like more of something is better. Like, you know, do you want 10,000 grains of sand or one small diamond? It's like, well, you want one small diamond, <laughs> obviously. Right. Um, but yep. like, and we get that, but we still, we, we apply unit bias to our, uh, uh, to our like investing strategies or whatever, which is silly. And so I think that, um, you know, the, Buying fractions of a Bitcoin is a big misconception. Uh, but when you look at it from the standpoint of, you know, 0.0002967, for example, um, 2,967 Satoshis just sounds a lot better. Yeah, that's good. It's psychology. It plays with you. Big um, time. And it shouldn't, it, right? Like the fundamentals of what I'm talking about hasn't changed. Yeah. The sound money still exists, but we're talking about just perception and, and psychology, which is such a sad thing that that's leached its way into like the way that we spend our money. Well, if you watch the uh, squid game, mm. 50 billion won is about $50 million roughly. Right. Um, 50 billion won. So these, these folks uh, in Korea, they go out, they take out 10,000 won. And so the numbers become 
they change with in, like inflation over time and right. value of currency, and the numbers get bigger and bigger and bigger. So it is sort of interesting to look at eight decimal places as the future of uh, the growth of the number. So many things to talk about here, uh, Adam, and so much understanding where I want to get to. I didn't know anything about the SAT standard. Didn't know that. Um, there's a lot to be learned here. I hope that, and I invite everybody, because we have a uh, Facebook group, uh, just shiftheads.ca, take you to the Facebook group. If you have questions about this stuff, I'll post uh, I'll post some stuff on there, and uh, people can ask questions, and we'll come back and, and ask you about them too, because, you know, again. Yeah, that'd be awesome. How do you and go like, to... go ask ahead. the tough questions. Yeah, anything. I was going to say, ask goes? the tough questions. Like, I'm, there is, there are... Yeah. Anything goes, man. Like hit me, hit me with the gotchas. Like if you think like, Oh yeah, he'll never be able to answer this one. I trust, trust me. I've been asked and trust me, there's an answer there. That's the beauty of like working with, with sound technology and sound money and things that have just like, it's just, it's just math and and you can't outsmart math. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, there's many uh, philosophers will say that math is the core of the universe. So, um, Again, another conversation for another time. Adam <laughs> O'Brien, uh, Bitcoin Well, if you want to check it out, you're going to see their bank machines around uh, at the mall and stuff like that where you don't go withdraw from, but you can buy your Bitcoin just as simple as going into the mall and doing it. And it's something that I'm going to play with a little bit because I am super curious. And I, for the sake of integrity, you heard him say it here, he's biased towards Bitcoin. Absolutely. So let that openness allow you when you have your conversations with your bankers to understand that there is bias everywhere because everyone's selling a product. And I think that that's a great place of integrity to start this conversation. Adam, great to see your face, man. Appreciate it. Amazing. Thanks, Shane. Appreciate it. Talk soon. This is the Shift Podcast. Disco Andy is officially here. And uh, it is possible we should change his name to Skippy. (laughs) Or I said earlier... I, he does. I, 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 I said earlier that you're looking handsome, and then I got accused of having a crush on you. Now, not to make our friendship <laughs> weird, that's okay. You got to, you got to compliment your brothers, guys. Yes. We don't say enough nice things to, um, we don't say enough nice things to the guys around us, right? Like you gotta, you gotta pay a brother a compliment when he's back. Brennan Kelly came back from vacation. You know, he looks bright and refreshed and you paid him compliments last night you said i was spicy well you were spicy it was was, fun yeah yeah and uh you know ryan o'donnell we pay him compliments too we're like hey you only mistyped three words in this thing or you know you like other bands that were not so bad like the smiths like we pay compliments here that's what we do. We should call well, this Shane, a compliment I, I just gave you a compliment. I was complimenting your beard, and I was thinking maybe I should, you know, grow up my beard like like you're doing right now. Do it. I think everybody should. Winter beard, thinking man. About thinking about Because you know what? November 1st is a good time to start to grow, because then I can keep track and see the mm-hmm. progress of how big it gets. And then maybe keep it until, like, spring. It's going to get pretty thick. So I'm do thinking you have any, uh, Do you have any uh, of the family members that have grown it out that are close to you? Um, my brother has, it's except my brother's older than me, but his, he doesn't have any gray in his beard, and, but mine, mine's all gray these days. So I don't, this I don't is know the Randy that, Barrar. This is Randy, Andy my, my, my big brother, Randy, Randy and Andy makes total sense, man. Total sense to me. Okay. I do have a question for you. You've been posting, uh, some of the skipping jump rope videos and, uh, your fitness routine. How long every day do you skip for? 
Well, this is the thing. I don't track by the length when I'm skipping. I track by how many jumps I take because I have a fitness wearable that actually measures jumps. So what I'm doing now is 2,000 jumps a day is kind of what I'm hitting at because I want to jump more, but uh, my feet just can't handle it. I got plantar fasciitis. Like my heel hurts because I'm always on my toes. Um, but 2,000 jumps a day is what I'm doing. And about – you don't even want to know how many steps I take. I'm a very active person. I'm doing – probably over 15,000 steps a day on top of that. On top of that. Okay. Uh, if you had to estimate how long you're skipping for, like oh, legit. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm so it's 2000 will take me between 20 and 25 minutes. Okay. So it's a long time. It's a good cardio workout. Yes. Yes. Um, I even, what really helped was, and I should share this to the shift listeners is I have a jump rope playlist. And so I can just put that on shuffle it. And I'm like in the zone. I'm just like, I'm like in this little club with this rope, like dancing by myself. Um, I think that's why I enjoy it so much. Hey, hey Ryan. Um, I think we should have a bet. How much you want to bet Madonna's on that playlist somewhere? Well, Madonna would be on my skipping <laughs> playlist as well. So I would bet a million dollars that at Whoa. least something's on there. Yeah, I would too. As long as you can make 24 easy payments, why, you'll be why, fine. Why Madonna, guys? Why? What? About me makes you think that I'd be listening to Madonna while jumping a rope. Yeah, I don't know. I just imagine Handy Andy, you know, working around the house in his tool belt, singing like Madonna song. You know? <laughs> I could see it like "Burning Up." That's a great song to to Ooh, burn it up. Too. Yeah, like good. a virgin. Okay, how about how about we? I'll share my playlist to you guys, and you guys can okay. analyze the Handy Andy jump rope playlist on Spotify. All right. Inspiring okay. us to get fit. How about that with Handy Andy Barrar? It's handyandymedia.com, by the way, if you want to check out some of the stories that Andy does have for us and he shares with us here on The Shift. Um, shiftheads.ca to go to the Facebook group. Thank you to everybody who has signed up for that. Um, the number is growing and growing and growing, which is really cool. So, Andy, we have plenty to talk about here. Um, media events, um, shipping containers, LED lights, all kinds of cool stuff. Where are we going here with food when food is getting more expensive? So last week, Shane, I got an invite to attend uh, this media tour of this local company called Cubic Farm Systems. And what they're doing is they're trying to reimagine what farming would look like in the 21st century. And they're trying to create a new product category, just like how Uber did with ride sharing. They're trying to create something called local chain AG tech, which is basically localized agriculture. Because the thing about food, fresh food in particular, is you want to consume it as soon as you've kind of harvested it. Because you get a lot of these micronutrients and enzymes. And the longer, you know, the food is staying like on the shelf, it's losing its nutritional value. So you want to consume it as quick as possible. And what they're doing is taking essentially, it looks like high tech shipping containers. And they're putting an LED system in there with growing all of these uh, vegetables on a vertical conveyor belt. And it's crazy because you have the light on top and the belt will actually move the plants through this container so that each part of the plant is getting some type of light. And then they're self-watering it as well, putting just the right amount of water and just the right amount of nutrients. And they've done so much science that they can actually tell for like, say, a particular strain of lettuce just exactly how many much nutrients you need to get, uh, you know, the best nutrients out of it. So from seed to like harvest, they can do it anywhere between four to six weeks, depending on how big the plant is. 
And the great thing about it is you can install it anywhere in the world and have that food very, very close to you rather than sitting on a truck traveling from California and then coming into Canada. It could be right in your local community. So I posted a video on the Shift group page, which by the way, I looked, you're at 468 today. So we want to nice. try to hit 500 by the end of this show. <laughs> I know, don't you love it? I got all the stats. So the Handy Andy page has 127 followers. So hopefully we can get some there. But if you go to to any of those, but yes, exactly. I I just need three. But if you go to that, you'll actually see it in action. And it's quite remarkable how they're doing this. Like the entire system is just enclosed inside these shipping containers. And like I said, it's modular. So, you know, the, the farmers of the future might be just high tech people who are using this type of technology to grow fresh food for their local communities. Um, this is an amazing topic, by the way. I don't know if I've ever talked to you about it, but I have a friend who's in this world and he has another uh, similar one. They do it different than the example of the cubic farms that uh, you've said a little bit differently. These guys use a biochar. And so it's not a hydroponics at all. Um, and, um, and they actually have lights that replicate the sun. They can geolocate the lights. So you can pick a geolocation anywhere in the world Wow! and study the pattern of the sun. Most lights in, like my lights on my pineapple farm in my front window, farm's generous, but my pineapples are there. Um, actually, you know what? I should post a picture of my pineapples tonight too on the on the group because I talk about them enough. That um, so once they geolocate the sun, most lights like mine turn on and off, right? Uh, in order to create growing conditions for any vegetable, deep root vegetables, and that's why they focus on deep root vegetables, um, deep root vegetables around the world, to have uh, it replicate 10%, 20% sort of east to west movement of the sun. So the technology around all this stuff is really, really cool. And you're right. You're talking about potentially grocery stores growing their own vegetables in the back. Yeah, absolutely. Restaurants. If they, if you had a big enough restaurant, because these are actually big shipping. This is at a commercial level of what they're trying to do. Yeah. But the, it just shows that we have the technology, Shane, that allows people to, you know, grow food without the traditional ways of farming or what we've done for thousands of years, we really can expedite the entire process by bringing it inside. Not only that, but you could actually forecast how much you're going to produce your yields and you get all this data and everything is completely automated. So it's kind of like that vertical farm that I set up in my kitchen where I'm using LED lights. But what, what these guys have done is created a completely automated hydroponic system one question that I asked them, because I had this issue with my, when I tried to grow with hydroponic uh, a system, I had this problem with algae, because every time you have light and water, you're going to get algae. And so they were explaining that after they finish the harvest, they actually have to clean the system. But it's perpetual because there's so many different types of plants at different stages of growth. You know, this, it's just on this conveyor belt that they can just clean out one, harvest it, put some new seeds and plant and then on it goes. So it's just, you're just nonstop harvesting food, which is quite remarkable when you think about it. And I think it really is the future of farming in, in this 21st century. Yeah, I think what I'll do is I've had Sean on before um, from Harvest Hub, and uh, maybe we'll get him on too, get into this. This is an exciting conversation. And the technology is changing so quickly. Uh, you talk about that, you talk about algae, um, 
you know, hydroponics is a lot of cleaning. That's why the, the biochar that Harvest Hub uses is so good to filter, but still got all the nutrients and it gets recycled. It can go back into the ground. There's all kinds of amazing things. And I think it was about two years ago, a sustainable shrimp farm in Alberta made its first um, harvests. I mean, shrimp grown in the prairies, right? Like, it's crazy to think, and that's a story actually on globalnews.ca uh, for Waterford Farms. It just as an example of the technology and the things that people are doing, as opposed to you would think of shrimp being in a tank and growing these, these, um, these different ideas are taking shrimp and putting them on like ladders so they swim up to the top and everything else in order to make it, you know, so they survive. Like it's it's amazing uh, ingenuity and creativity, pretty cool stuff. All incredibly cool stuff. And I would love to have my own vegetables, you know, even, you know, we, you buy those little ones that do your, I don't know what you call it, the seed, not seasonings, but you know what I mean? Like the, what are we talking the about? Herbs. Not the cum- herbs. Herbs. The herb garden. Yes. That's what it is. So it's cool stuff. I love it. Okay. Well, we've got more to come here with Handy Andy, uh, not only just here to make you, um, make you hungry for what's to come <laughs> here on the program, uh, but we are going to talk about high tech animal feed and, um, Maybe Alexa tracking too much info. Mark sends in a text, says he'd rather have prairie shrimp than prairie oysters, which is probably a good point. My goodness. Handy Andy Barrar is here. We were talking about some indoor farming, future of farming, which is a link he's posted on his website, handyandymedia.com, as well as the Shift Facebook group. Animal feed. Let's touch on this one quickly, Andy. How you saw from this uh, media event you went to for indoor farming. Animal feed growing real quick. That's right. So the same company, Cubic Farms, they actually purchased this other company called Hydrogreen. And what they do is they're making animal feed for like livestock, cattle, cows, and, and what have you. So what they did, Shane, is they took us to Abbotsford, BC. There's this place called Eco Dairy. I think it's Canada's first demonstration farm. And they work with Science World here in Vancouver. And basically, they're trying to show modern farming practices, sustainable farming practices. And what they did is they had a facility here where they're growing this hydro green stuff. And basically, it's like wheat and barley sprouts. But what they're doing is they have a system where each there's like six layers and they, they sprout this stuff in six days. From their research, they found that after the sixth day, it's almost like microgreens, Shane. But they found that after six days, it has the, the optimal nutrients for livestock. So with just enough starch and such. And so right on the farm, you can make your own animal feed and you can 24-7, 365 days a year. So farmers are loving this technology. You just got to basically buy the system, put it into your farm, and then basically you can create you know, um, animal feed for forever and and what's crazy is and you got to go to my website handyandymedia.com because i got a video there where i'm talking about the hydrogreen you could actually see the cows searching for this stuff it looks so good i had to try it shane i, I asked them i'm like can i eat this oh, stuff no. and they're like yeah yeah go ahead and if it was great it was delicious it's starchy but i can understand why they like it and it just gives all the nutritional value that livestock need they even shane measure how much each of the cows, how much they eat and consume. And then they use that data to then measure the output, whether it's milk or if they're um, selling the cow for meat. So the, the science that is going into both animal feed and just feeding the animals with this and, and studying their gut biomes, it's, it's to a next level. And it's actually just quite amazing what they're doing with farming these days and the, the use of technology. 
Well, and to support that, I have a couple of friends who are farmers, and they have set out flat out that these kinds of scenarios are really, really great because it allows farmers to focus on big-yield, high-profit crops that are in demand, right? I mean, farmers play markets. So if they think they're going to need a lot of canola, though, and they can grow it, they will grow it. So it does give more space to grow, which is kind of cool. So the farmers aren't so scared of it either. Whether or not they participate in it, to time will tell. All right, so handyandymedia.com is his website. And um, let's finish with this story at least. Uh, how about um, Alexa, analyze my bowel movements is the note I have here. So Alexa is spying on you in the potty or smart toilets? No, we're talking about smart toilets, Shane. And this is something I've seen um, in the tech space for the last couple of years. And it's really the last frontier of measuring our health data because let's let's face it, we all know that there's a lot of data inside both our stool and our urine. And what they're trying to do is create futuristic smart toilets that can analyze that. Not only the time that you go to the bathroom, but the contents. And it could actually analyze that, take that data, and then store it into your phone or send it via Wi-Fi to your medical professionals. So this is something that I think is going to probably take off in the next couple of years. Whether people adopt it or not, that's an entirely different question. But the fact remains, there's a lot of data in the stool that we literally flush out. And there's a, a essentially in the tech space, there's a race to the bottom as every all these tech companies try to figure out how they can analyze that and then use that data to help people make behavioral changes or diet changes because imagine you sit on a, on a toilet and you get a push notification on your phone saying you need to eat more fiber because it can sense it inside your stool. That future is only a couple of years away. You missed the real pun there when you said push notification. <laughs> I thought the pun was the race to the bottom of, uh, that was pretty good. of all these companies. But yeah, there's push a lot of puns when you talk good. about a lot of puns. Uh, well, you know, they're using puns. um they're using sewer to find COVID and other diseases and track it. I mean, you can't trace it. It's not like there's going to be a little, um, you know, microscope come up your toilet and go, hey, this you, you got COVID. It's not going to be like that. But to track neighborhoods and areas where it's um where it's growing and changing and more prominent. So it's safe to say that health departments and organizations are already using sewer to test for things. Um, that are that are going on. I'm not quite sure if I want to have a seat, right? And all of a sudden, whoop, whoop, blue light starts flashing, you know, and you get a printout of all your ailments from, you know, Dr. O'Donnell's website. And, uh, and by the way, you should drink some green tea and you're going to be fine. Like, I don't know if I want to go that far. That sounds, that sounds weird to but, me. But, but the other thing is, like, where does that data go? And, like, imagine somebody was hacking your stool exactly. data. Like, well, they're more than welcome to hack that. <laughs> well, I don't know if you're a celebrity and, and somebody hacks your stool data. You probably don't want that to be released to the public, but the, it, it's here. It's coming. You're going to see smart toilets in the near future. Uh, they'll probably be very expensive, but the technology is there and it will be inside your toilet. You'll get a ding, ding, and you'll pick up your phone and it'll say, how were those wings last night? Next time, try salt and pepper. <laughs> like. <laughs> <laughs> It's not good. Yeah, that, that could not happen very much. So, All right, handyandymedia.com if you want to go check out Andy. Shiftheads.ca for the Facebook group. Andy posts on there every single week his videos. And um, I think you should put a this jump rope one on there for me, buddy. Well, you got a recent one you can pop up there? Uh, yeah, okay, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll post you a, a jump rope one. I'm, uh, I'm jumping outside now, rain or shine. So it might be who knows what the weather's going to be like, but I'll, uh, I'll post something in maybe next week.
We'll do it. All right. Sounds fantastic to me. Uh, HandyAndyMedia.com. Thanks, brother. Really appreciate you being here. My pleasure, Shane. Anytime. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.